Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. We're starting a new series that's going to be a short series called You Are Gifted. The Bible uh, talks about how God gifts each of us in beautifully and unique and uniquely wired, powerful ways. And, and, and the primary goal I have for this series is simply this. I, I want to encourage each and every one of us to live life more and more in this feeling, in this, in this place where we get to say, I was made for this. And there's nothing more important, I think, in life than arriving at that plate of real, place of realizing this is what I was made for. Understanding how God has gifted you and how God wants to continue to gift you and, and figuring out how that works in your life. Now, there are several sub-goals I have with them. One of them is, is to kind of expose uh, some ways we often think wrongly about living in this place of this is what I was made for. I mean, living in, the, in that place doesn't mean that you are always going to feel super passionate. It doesn't mean you'll always enjoy everything. It doesn't mean you're not going to have setbacks and difficulty. What it does mean is that you will find the sense of who I am and, and where I fit and what I was made to be in a way that whether your feelings or passions are high or low, it'll carry you through anything and you'll discover a life that is worthwhile, meaningful, motivating, beautiful, and abundant. The second kind of sub-goal for this series for me is in discovering this is what I was made for is that it's not a one-time discovery. Uh, if you are here and you're thinking, I know how I'm wired, I've taken all the tests, I know what I'm gifted to do, I've been there, done that. The truth is when we follow God over our entire lifetime, God wants to continue to reveal more and more clarity in regard to how he's made us and how our best life impact is made. And it morphs for us over life, over our lifetime. It grows and it even changes at times over our lifetime. Kind of another third sub-goal for the series is I want us to discover how important understanding this is to our faith and, and to church as well. See, when you discover and develop your gifts that God has given you, and you discover more, you, you discover more about how good God is and, and how powerful God is. And when you discover and develop your gifts that God has given you and wants to continue to give you, the church becomes powerful as Christ intends it to be. And people in our community who are disconnected from their faith or church or from God, they will discover through you how very good God is. See, God has gifted you and God wants to continue to give you more gifts and more abilities that will make your life more beautiful and more powerful. And fourth, my other sub-goal for this series is simply this. I, I want us to kind of intentionally turn it up a notch in how encouraging and affirming we are of each other around us as we see the gifts of God at work in each and every one of us. Because I think some of the greatest gifts that I've ever received in life and that we all receive in life is when other people affirm in us what we are gifted in, what we are good at, and, and, and that makes, brings great meaning to life and understanding how that fits in life. 
I mean, over the years, I've told you various stories of my own of people who have impacted me, Dr. C and Ted and Paul and other people you've probably heard me talk about maybe too many times. And so if I make too many, make the same illustration too many times, just raise your hand and go, Ross, that's too many times. You know, I've heard that before. So, but who are those people in your life? Who are those people in your life that have spoken into your life and helped you discover who you are, what you're good at, and how that fits in life in a meaningful way? Each of you probably have names that come to mind, stories of people who have impacted you positively in that way. And and frankly, it can also be fun to be the person who impacts someone else like that by encouraging someone else in their giftedness. And, And honestly, many times when you do that, you don't even realize that you've done it. You don't realize the impact you've made. As we were moving Jared into his dorm room in Tulsa this past week, I walked out to the parking lot filled with about a thousand cars uh, to discover we were parked right next to a a friend of mine from 25 years ago. His name is Darren. Uh, 25 years ago, Darren was a really nice, uh, fairly introverted guy, an accountant who lacked confidence in his leadership abilities in general, kind of. I spent time encouraging him to step out and in particular to to lead a small group. We were in the same church together. Now, honestly, he was gifted to do that. He didn't know he was gifted to, but he, but he was, and he finally took the risk. And I ran into Darren a couple of years back as well and on one of our visits to Tulsa, and he sat there and just grabbed me and enthusiastically said how leading that small group became for him one of the most spiritually transforming, friendship-transforming, life-transforming things of his entire life. It was the most beneficial thing he felt he'd ever done in helping his journey with God and life be better. And he and his wife are still leading that group uh, now 20-plus years later. See, I had no idea back when I was talking to him years and years ago that that, that that would be the result of just encouraging those simple leadership gifts that I saw in him. In fact, this, this past week when I talked to him, I found out that he doesn't seem to lack any confidence in leadership anymore. He's three and a half years into the startup of a, of a communications company that he, that he founded three and a half years ago, and it's doing great. It's so fun to see and it's so fun to realize that your words of encouragement, even if they're just really small, can play just even a small piece in helping someone discover how they're wired, how they're gifted, and see what God does with that to help them lead and serve. So the truth is, God has gifted you and every one of you here today. And and discovering with more clarity how God has gifted you and how your gifts fit in life, whether you're still in your profession or whether you're retired, is one of the most important things you can do in life. 1 Corinthians, Paul says it this way. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, this topic is really important. Now, there are limits to what we can do on this topic in this kind of a venue. So we're just going to spend a couple weeks on it, and then we're going to give you some opportunities to join some classes and groups where you can explore what we're going to talk about further. Among other biblical texts and all the biblical texts that talk about how we're gifted, the most talked about texts are Romans 12 is one of them. Uh, and a lot of people look at the Romans 12 passage and say, this is, this is Paul trying to describe for us what people often like to call motivational gifts. They are the gifts based on the way God has designed us. 
Gifts that describe how we approach people, how we approach tasks, how we look at life and approach life. And, and people will also often look at one of the other most popular passages on this topic, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and say that in that passage, those gifts are the gifts that God gives that are, they often refer to them as word gifts or power gifts, where the Holy Spirit comes and does something beyond us uh, in those gifts that he gives us. And many theologians and pastors have tried to nail down uh, all the scriptures that talk about gifts in the Bible into this neat psychological and spiritual framework, even developing spiritual gifts inventories out of them. And hear me, those, those, that's, that's good. There's helpful truth in all of those definitions. I, I applaud people who do that, and I encourage you to participate in that kind of stuff. Yet, I've got to be honest, after 30 years of working with spiritual gifts inventories and other inventories like the DISC and Myers-Briggs and others, I'm not so sure the Bible's intent uh, to, is to give us this crystal clear defined grid that is completely neat and clean in all these passages. I've studied it for 30 years, but because if, if you do a thorough study of the Bible, there are lots of gifts, gifts listed all throughout different passages of the Bible, and none of the lists are comprehensive resulting in scholars kind of going back and forth saying, well, the Bible lists, some say 18 gifts, and others say 21, and others say 27. See, rather, I think the big idea, instead of trying to nail it down so nice and neat and clean, is, is simply the Bible is trying to make us really wrestle with this idea that God has gifted you. It's simple. God has gifted you, each and every one of you. And God wants to give you additional gifts, each and every one of you. So Paul's admonition to us is don't remain ignorant. Instead, approach this topic with this eager pursuit to explore and figure out how God has gifted you and wants to give you more gifts to live a powerful and abundant life. I mean, essentially, Paul, is, when, he, when he says, don't be uninformed, he's saying, don't be an eight-cylinder uh, race car that's hitting on only three cylinders and conks out by the time you drive out of, out of the driveway. Know how God has gifted you and wants to gift you and learn to live life on all cylinders so that you can thrive and excel and live a rich, meaningful, and fulfilling life. So I think if we simplify all the texts of the Bible that are talk about gifts, it really comes down to two main messages the Bible is trying to give us. That God gifts us, the first one is God gifts us by design. I think Psalm 39, 139 puts it really well. It says, For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame has not been hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days were ordained. You gave me gifts. You gave me purpose. And they were all written in your book before they came to be. There's a sense that God has created you with gifts. See, with this level, our society talks about this all the time. We all, especially in work settings, we take things like the DISC, the Myers-Briggs, the Hollins Theory, the Enneagram, and so many other tools out there that I think we tend to at least grasp this a little better, this idea of gifts a little better, at least to some measure. 
We're going to have a class coming up. Uh, we'll, we'll get more information. We're still nailing down the f- last few details. It'll happen in the next month or so here where you can explore how God has gifted you by design in a much more interactive and helpful way. God gifts us by creating us with design. But I think oftentimes we stop there in life and we actually miss uh, something that leaves our lives as followers of Jesus weaker and less fulfilling than God intends for us. Because the Bible also talks about that God gifts us beyond our design. There are gifts that God gives us by His Holy Spirit that have little to nothing to do with your natural abilities. Things that you couldn't know that we couldn't do without His supernatural involvement. And we're going to talk about that topic next week. Again, we can't deal with that topic adequately in this environment. It requires a lot more interaction to be able to deal with this really well, to understand it, explain it. But we're going to give you the opportunity to just give a taste of this here. And and if you want to know more, I want to encourage you to consider joining the School of Kingdom Ministry that's going to start up in September. It's a, we often refer to it by its, by its initials, so we call it Sokum or Sokum, or I like Sokum better. I like taking a bath so, or shower, so I like Sokum better. It's a hand-on teach, hands-on teaching and training that gives you a safe place to learn to receive and live in the gifts that God wants to give you that, uh, that are beyond your own design. And what I love about this class is that it spends an equal or a greater amount of time helping you understand the gospel and your identity and your security in Christ so that you have a solid basis from which to practice these spiritual gifts that are beyond our own abilities and our own design. If you're interested in Sokum, there's, a, there's an interest meeting during the 11th service on September 8th, and or you can, you can go to the first class on September 16th, or 15th at 6 p.m., and it's free of charge to go to that first class. Uh, if you want more information, Sharon's right down here. You can contact her. And i got to tell you, I'm proud of Sharon. She's working on a Master of Divinity degree and doing a great job uh, in that and leading different groups around here. So uh, earlier we mentioned as well the Finger of God movie. That's actually more of kind of a documentary of some people who are trying to experience and live out these gifts that are beyond our design. So... I also want to encourage you, if you're in a small group, I want to encourage you to make space in your small groups and how you pray together as a small group to give encourage the ability to hear God and practice receiving these gifts that are from Him beyond our design. Again, today we're going to focus on the gifts that God gives us by design, the gifts that we have that are the way we are wired, the way we are made, the personality, the intellect, the passions, and the abilities that we have. And why is this so important to understand how God has gifted us by design? Well, let's jump into Romans 12 and begin that discussion. For It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. It's important to understand how God has gifted you by design because sometimes we dream of being something we are not wired for. And we live in frustration and denial as a result. So we need to think soberly and, and come to terms with who we really are and what we're really gifted to do and where we fit best. There was a classmate of mine in high school who loved Johnny Cash, and he became a Johnny Cash per- impersonator. 
So he played Johnny Cash albums. This is how he did it. He went to bars in the area. He played Johnny Cash albums, and he lip-synced along with them and actually sang on a mic along with them. The problem was he was a blonde, 110-pound, skinny little young man dressed in black, acting like Johnny Cash, who couldn't carry a tune if you asked him to, if you paid him to. For most, thinking about more highly of ourselves and beyond who we really are is not that disconnected from reality. Sometimes we struggle more with thinking more highly of ourselves or or not with sober judgment about ourselves, thinking outside of our abilities because of the pressure that we experience to live up to others' expectations. A close college friend of mine struggled with this. He he uh, with, and struggled, struggled to find his design and his best fit in life because his parents were absolutely insistent that he either become a doctor or he get an accounting degree and become a CEO of a company. Those were the expectations of him, uh, along with his mom's expectation that his rapidly receding hairline at age 18 be stopped by the use of Rogaine. So she would call him weekly and oftentimes more often than weekly, And one of the main conversations every time was, son, are you using the Rogaine so we can stop you becoming bald because you're going to be ugly if you're bald. There was a bit of pressure in this family to look a certain way and be a certain way. And actually for him, his hair was his first way of pushing it back against that family pressure. So uh, he took the first Rogaine tube she sent him and he emptied half of it in the garbage and left that in his drawer so that if she ever surprised him by coming flying down and visiting him, he could show her that he had a half a tube, but every other tube she sent in the mail, he threw in the garbage. His gifts and passion were in life were a much better fit for something else than being in medicine or business or having a full head of hair for that matter. But the expectations were so strong and it was hard to work through them. Have you ever had someone else's expectations make it hard for you to find what your gifts are and where you fit best? See, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has given us, or has assigned, the text goes on, it says, and there it is again in the text, it says, God has already created you, already gifted you. See, much of this life is about discovering and enjoying making a good difference in life by using and developing those gifts that God has already given you by His design. text goes on, it says, for as in one body... We have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, Paul says. See, it's important to understand how gifted we are by God and by His design, because the truth is you only discover and develop your gifts by using them. In a sense, we could put what Paul said there in another way. You live your best life by living in the strengths that God has given you. Now, we often talk as an illustration, just to, to make it more relatable, that Jesus' inner core of 12 disciples came from those who were not educated, the educated or social or leadership elite of the day. And that's all true. The people God chose, Jesus chose to follow him were not the elite of the day at all. God worked through them tremendously. But what we often miss in just our cursory reading of the Bible is that when God chose who would write the New Testament, who did he call upon? 
Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was an academic giant in his day, a writer, a reader, one with a tremendous intellect. He was trained at the Jewish Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford of his day, a protege of the greatest Jewish theologian of his day, the the, the eyewitness account of Jesus' life that we call Luke, and and the biography of the early church that we call Acts in the Bible were both written by a highly educated medical doctor, Luke. And most of the rest of the New Testament, whose content originates with others of the 12 disciples, were actually written by scribes. So these scribes were essentially ghost writers who helped the disciples who were not gifted writers effectively record and tell their story. God loves to work through our strengths and connect us with people who have strengths we do not have. And God chose Paul as well because Paul's personality was wired to make drastic, out-of-the-box changes so rapidly. Think about him. He's this this young, highly educated, up-and-coming star leader in the Jewish community who who is passionate about faith in God as a Jew. And he's so passionate that he, with vigor, distinguished himself persecuting the Christians who he thought, he honestly thought, were a cult. But when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul goes on from one extreme and within two days you find him in the synagogue defending the Christian faith. He just changes like that. Paul was a person who was highly strategic, highly flexible to change in whatever circumstance he was in to follow truth. He was a person who was comfortable starting new things from nothing. And the reason God gifted him and called him, I think that's the reason God gifted him and called him to spread Christianity among the varied cultures of the Roman Empire. Paul was much better at doing that among different cultures and different difficult settings than some of the other disciples were. It's because of the way he was wired and his personality, the way God created him to adapt and change to the circumstances around him clearly and to still be clear in his thinking and to communicate really well in different cultures. That's not better than the other disciples. It's just a different way that God designed him. And maybe you're that way too. Maybe you are one that always likes a new challenge. You, you are bold in, in pursuing whatever you think is right and best and truth. And even if it means radical change, it's no big deal for you to make that change. You might be a person like Paul who needs to be starting things and mentoring other people to maintain it and continue to move on to new challenges, whether in work or a ministry endeavor that you do in life. Uh, One of the things I love, there are books written about uh, the different personality characteristics of the Bible. There's one that I love that bases itself on the DISC behavioral profile. It's called Understanding How Others Misunderstand You. It's fascinating how God gifted people all throughout the Bible. They they look at the people in the Bible, and uh, especially the ones we know a lot of information in, and look at, at how their personality was, what they were wired for, and then they examine how God actually used them in their strengths and even how God challenged some of their weaknesses in the process to help them grow. It's just a fascinating way to look at the Bible. God talks about gifted by design as well in Exodus 35. In the short space of 10 verses, he uses the word skilled five times. And what he's doing there is he's elevating the God-given ability of people to make beautiful linen yarn, to build with wood and stone, to make beautiful art, and God celebrates it all. 
as gifts from him given to us in our design and developed as we use those gifts that he's given us. And in that context, the text also values the ability to have a green thumb, to make beautiful recipes, to make money and give money. And all those things are gifts from God in the way he designed you. So I have no ability to make good food. I need people around me who have that gift. I was reminded of this recently when uh, someone in the church offered to help me change uh, my brakes and rotors on my rusty van. I am so not mechanically gifted at all. While we were working on the rotors and the brakes, uh, there was one piece of the job that seemed pretty easy once we figured it out. and The other guy, he did it really easy. It was just like that. It was done. And I sat there for 15, 20 minutes. I couldn't get it done. He had to do it for me. See, we're all gifted in different ways. And it's really fascinating and it's really beautiful to recognize and celebrate God's gifts in one another. One of my greatest joys of being in this position, uh, working in a church, is, is I get to see how gifted all of you are. Uh, some thinking uh, too highly of ourselves and not soberly about ourselves is also simply uh, recognizing where we are in our journey and developing our gifts. I've done a lot of leadership training and coaching and development over the past 20, 25 years. One of, the, one of the things I've noticed most is that those who succeed well in leadership think soberly about where they are at in the process of leadership development. They are willing to receive feedback and, then, and learn, and, and they don't need to feel like they know it all. They don't need to feel like they are further along than they are. Instead, they're, they're a lot like David in the Old Testament. David was a gifted leader, gifted as a leader and a warrior. And, and we see that in the ultimate outcome of his life. He leads uh, Israel from a struggling nation politically and economically to a world empire and a world power in his lifetime. But David's leadership as a young boy was leading sheep and defending them against predators. And I mean, sure, we all know the story about him as a gangly little middle school boy de- uh, defeating the great giant uh, Goliath, but... But after that, he continued to learn leadership by simply hanging around other leaders. And and his job there was playing music to entertain them and soothe them. Just doing whatever came his way without complaint, without feeling like he deserved more. And then he began to get his opportunity to lead men. Small bands at first and then whole armies. And he served well. And even when, even when his leader was jealous of him and, and tried to undermine him, and even when he thought he could lead better, He was still humble and faithful. See, our gifts that we're given are like babies. They need to grow. They need to get stronger. They need to get wiser. And that only happens by us getting up and falling down and getting up again to, to use them so that we can learn and grow. See, that means for some of us, the reason we're lacking clarity in our gifts is because we aren't willing to do the trial and error work of a baby and using them. We aren't trying new things, and when we do fall down, we're not persevering and just getting back up and keeping on going. See, here's my belief about that, especially as it relates to the church. Uh, Please understand, I believe that God gifts us, and those gifts are to be primarily used outside of the church. That's where we're going to see them the most. But I also recognize that God wants Quest to thrive as part of his church. And that means he is bringing you and your gifts here to play a role in helping Quest thrive. Some of you 
God has brought here. And your gifts fit children's ministry. Others of you fit small group leadership. Others of you fit maybe welcoming new people and helping them get connected or serving in outreach things or helping keep this physical place well kept so people can come or, or event planning or a number of different other things. Like my friend Darren, you may not realize you are gifted for whatever it is that God is asking you to do to be as a part of his church, but you are. And when you discover that, when you develop that, and when you commit to that, it will become a part of, this is what I was made for. But finding that requires you jump in, and you try, and you experiment with different things, and you persevere. And even if it isn't easy at first to grow and develop, you, you just grow and develop, and, and there's joy waiting for you as a part of Quest's ministry. Which leads us to our final point. It's important to understand how God has gifted you by design because we, you and I together, are God's representatives in this world. We, Paul says, are the body of Christ. We together, his church, are the representation of Jesus in this world. People see and know the presence and the power of Jesus when they see and experience and relate to us. Now, I've heard lots of people talk about how flawed the churches are and and even people talk about how flawed Quest is and and no church is going to be perfect. Every church is going to be flawed. But the image that the Bible gives us of church repeatedly is that you and I, we are together the body of Christ. We are the church in this world. We are the body and when some members are not using their gifts, they're not active in serving and giving, then we are a body that is deformed. We're a body with a hole in the head, dead skin hanging off our arm, and a a joint that doesn't work. And when the world sees that, sometimes they do indeed think, what a deformed bunch they are. Uh, But I'm so proud of this church. I'm so proud of this church because so many of you recognize that truth, and you consistently, sacrificially respond and give your gifts as a part of this church. So let's celebrate that. Let's applaud that. Let's affirm all who are serving and giving. You are awesome. I mean, there, we, have, we have more people giving and serving in this church than the average church in America. There's, but there are still many of you who are not serving and the many of you who are not giving, either in church or in the community. So we're still a body of Christ that is not working like God dreams for us. God is inviting us all to engage, to discover, and use our gifts. And when we do, there's so much reward awaiting us. Not only individually, but we get to say not only individually, this is what I was made for, but we get to say this is what we were made for. See, Paul goes on in the text and says, let us use them, our gifts he's referring to there, if prophecy in proportion to our faith is serving, service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There are people who are really good at seeing where we need to be in the future, at starting things, of picking out uh, what God is doing in other people and prophetically encouraging that and speaking that in other people's lives. There are people here who are gifted to serve, and we need you to serve in order to love people well and bring healing and hope to people in need. There are people here who are fantastic cheerleaders. You are able to encourage and motivate people. It is such an important gift that honestly doesn't come naturally for me. 
There are people here who are good at making money. And if you will give as God asks, you're going to find so much joy and so much blessing like you've never experienced before. And the church, instead of just getting by, will have room to dream more and reach more people for eternity. On the one hand, though, that giving piece, if you're one who gives when you like things, who doesn't give, and doesn't give oftentimes as a way of voting when you don't like things, all you're doing is you're making things worse. You are harming yourself because you were a part of the body of Christ. And you're actually sinning against God himself by harming and actively weakening the body of Christ. God is inviting you to give out of love and dedication to God and his church, not as a way of voting, not as a way of tipping when things are good and you like it. See, there are people here who are gifted by God to teach as well. God is wanting you in children's ministry or to teach a class or to mentor people one-on-one or to teach people how to handle finances so they can find peace and prosperity in their lives or to help moms and dads learn how to parent and balance life better, to care for people and lead them to healing from pain in their past. There are people here who God has called to leadership. You're not better than anybody else who serves. You're just gifted by God for a different role to keep people working together well in teams and to stay focused on the mission. That's a gift from God that the body of Christ needs. There are small groups waiting for you to lead there and to be started by you. There's ministries waiting for you to lead that will bring life to you and life to other people as they discover how awesome God is and how God has gifted them in wonderful ways. But it's all not just about children's ministry, youth ministry, worship ministry, small groups. It's about getting out into the world and using your gifts in the marketplace that God has given you in the community and the neighborhood. Maybe that looks like praying for your five and looking for ways to care for them and serve them and encourage them and build a friendship deep enough that you get to talk honestly about what really matters in life and encouraging them in the gifts God has given them. It might look like taking someone to lunch once a week and uh, an employee that you see a lot of potential in and mentoring and encouraging them and using your position to open doors for them and along the way developing a friendship that's deep enough for you to share how wonderfully God has made them and how good God is and how much He loves them. And some, maybe many of you, know that, that, uh, that God spoke to Wendy and I in a way that led us to move to Ohio and become pastor of this church a little over 10 years ago now. Uh, he spoke to me uh, in a number of ways through dreams, but one in particular, uh, you know, I mean, dreams, some of you don't maybe relate to that, but the Bible's chock full of God talking to people in dreams. That's not different. It's just that the church doesn't talk about that a lot today. And not all dreams are from, from God. Some are just us processing life. But some dreams are from God, and it's exciting, and it's affirming to learn to discern and discover the difference. So in this dream that brought us here, one of them, I I found myself on a balcony overlooking this, what I knew in the dream to be a beautiful town in Ohio. Now, that was different for me. I didn't have any relational connections or background connecting me to Ohio. I, I knew nothing about Quest or Columbus and hadn't been thinking about Ohio. In fact, I was really content at the time in, in my job in Eugene and wasn't even looking for a change. And then all of a sudden in the dream, I had a vision in the dream where a picture overlaid this town. And it was 
uh, now a deep open strip mine with these charcoal gray 1940s vintage cars lined up in two lines trying to get out of it. Everything was drab in the strip mine. There was no, no color, no vibrancy anywhere. And that was kind of curious to me. And then this vision and this dream suddenly switched. And instead of cars far off, I, I saw two lines of people close enough to me that I could see them really well. They were all dressed in charcoal gray business suits trying to get out of the strip mine. And I, I looked at the people and I was struck by this, by this strong sense of pressure and the drive to conform to the image of success and the ways of success rather than be who God created them to be in the way God created them to be. As I looked at the people's faces in this dream, they all looked like you would expect a corpse to look in a coffin, their faces, their skin. There, there was a deadness to life without, even in the midst of their success. And yet, in the dream, there was little splashes of color and, and, and there was this overwhelming sense in the dream that the hearts of the people were seeking color. They were seeking more. And God said to me in the dream at the very end of it, do you want to be part of leading something I'm already doing in Ohio to bring color to people's lives. And I said, yes. The dream immediately ended, and I woke up with the sense that God was in that process. See, the gifts God gives are as varied as all the colors that we can ever imagine. Only when we operate in our unique gifts and celebrate each other's unique gifts do we experience the color in life that God wants us to have as people and as his church the body of Christ in the world. Even if most of us are operating our gifts, but some aren't, we'll always be as individuals and as a church less than the fully beautiful representation that God intends for his church to be. Worship team, come on back up. We're about to wrap up here. See, the point of this thing is God has gifted you. If you want to respond today to this message and discover your gifts with greater clarity, you can do that in a couple of different ways. The first way would be to jump in and just do something. Volunteer in ministry, even if it isn't exactly the right fit at the beginning or the best long-term fit, just do something. Use your gifts and God will help you discover, clarify them, and refine what they, where they fit best for you. But do something. And you'll especially discover that if you're open to feedback and open to encouragement from other people, and if you persevere in serving and leading and giving and encouraging and whatever your gifts are. Second, you can take the class we'll be offering soon. We'll get more information hopefully by next week on that. And the other aspect that you can maybe do to, to apply this message today is just begin to ask this question of yourself and maybe ask other people around you to talk to you about this. What floats your boat? What makes you feel strong, effective, fulfilled? What comes easy for you? How has God gifted you to make a difference in the world? Because the reality is, God has gifted you. And he wants, even more than you want, for you to get to the place of enthusiastically being, to say, being able to say, I was made for this. God wants to continue to give you more gifts, even beyond your design. So come back next week. We'll talk about that. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, thank you that you are such a good God. 
that you create us so wonderfully that every single person in this room is wonderfully and fearfully made, awesomely made. And thank you that your plan is for us to walk into all the good you have. So Lord, I pray that this week through discussions, through times of quietness and prayer, that you would for each and every one of us help us celebrate, discover, and see how you gifted us and free us to walk more fully in the strengths that you've placed in each one of us and the joy that you want us to walk in. Lord, even as we worship you right now, even through the words of the song, would you come to us and would you give us that sense of how gifted and how wonderful you are and how wonderful you've made us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.